Hey, welcome back to The Awakening Podcast. I'm Wanson, here to tell you a little bit about what's coming up. This week on the podcast is the first of a two-part series on marriage and ministry. Jordan Boyce talks with Jude Fuquay from the City Church Ventura in California on one of the most important keys to having successful ministry. And then Jordan and Samantha Boyce sit down with Rich and Dontree Wilkerson and Chad and Julia Veach to discuss practical ways of having a healthy marriage and healthy ministry. Whether you're married or not, these are two phenomenal resources for you, and we really hope this helps. Take a listen. You told me last year that my marriage would be the greatest sermon I ever preached in my youth ministry. Yeah. You know, and I've seen your marriage with Pastor Becky as an unbelievable example of uh, biblical faithful marriage. You know, especially in ministry. Could you talk a little bit about marriage and youth ministry? Mm-hmm. You know, it was interesting in the '80s. First of all, when I get around you, and you're you're a, really a genius, and what you've done with these young people and who you are. In Jordan, if your young people become as you are then your army will shape the very planet. And uh, in what is happening with social media, uh, websites, Vine, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, unbelievable. Well, in the 80s, Jordan, if you were a cool youth pastor, they had, you gave your young people a monthly calendar, which was made from a clip art book, which you would cut out these little art pieces and you would tape them in. I worked eight hours god forbid holy mother of god pray for us now at the hour of our death amen uh i eight hours on a clip art calendar and i thought man they're gonna love this they're gonna love it and so the youth meeting ended and as i was walking out of our youth room uh i noticed probably 80 to 90 percent of the young people forgot their calendar some of them were even making paper airplanes out of them and I realized then, because my whole thing is, Lord, give me a message that will change my generation. And the Lord said, I want your life to become a message. Now, I want you to get this. It took me seven years as a youth pastor to get what I'm getting ready to tell you and our friends who are listening. Our youth service was on Wednesday. When do you think my wife and I got in an argument? When do you think we got in a disagreement? Why wasn't it on Sunday or, or Tuesday or Monday? Why was it always on Wednesday? And that night when they left all those calendars behind, the Lord said, you put more time in a calendar that absolutely, yes, it was good for information, but had no power to transform a human being's heart. He said the greatest, no, the Catholics call it this, sacrament. The reformers call it divine institution. One of the greatest institutions that are on this planet, given by God, will never be altered is marriage. Jordan, why didn't I give as much time, energy, and attention to my marriage that I did to clip art calendars that people do, to their websites, their, their, their media, their, their production teams. And, and I realized that the greatest sermon that I would give my young people was my union with Becky, my marriage with Becky. And, and that, that had to be um, really guarded. Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah. What is your end product? At the end of the day, awakening, yeah. what do you want to produce? Out of the young people, I want to produce, I would say, young leaders. Not just like a young kid that's a good kid, or not just like a young kid that attends church. What I want to produce is a young leader. You know, disciple, yes, but a leader of disciples. Mm-hmm. Out of and you know what I would say, what if they became the greatest leader in the world and they did what you just said, but yet they failed in their marriage. Yeah. 
Seven years into youth ministry, the Lord asked me that question. At the end of the day, one of my goals for youth ministry is I wanted to produce men and women, men that would be amazing husbands. I wanted my wife to produce, help produce women that would be unbelievable wives. And together, they would have families that literally would begin to shape the culture in which they live. What would it be, for example, even in the academy that you're starting, that your guys know how to film, they know how to put the greatest video together where you wow people but yet they get divorced and and so over the 27 year period not only did I officiate your wedding I have officiated probably over a hundred weddings and yes they have had some casualties where some of them are now divorced you see Jordan when you've been a youth pastor in your 20s your 30s your 40s and even into the decade of my 50s you get to see a kid that when he was 16 so cool dressed good sang good played the guitar put that extra leg made your ministry look good but he did know how to love his wife he did not know how to raise his children and how can you be a leader our generation is filled from policy to politics to education to medicine and yes God forbid even in youth ministry in the church where we know how to lead but God forbid we can't lead in the greatest thing that we will be accountable for and that is leadership in the home and so I would say I wanted to show men how to love your wife how to raise your children and can I say my sons love Jesus they they never uh, uh, detoured why because it was our home first and and so I would say at the end of the day if what is it if you reach, let's say, even 2000 in Awakening? Right. But 20 years from now, Jordan, when you're 44 yeah. and not 24, how many of the guys and gals in your ministry actually will still be married? Right. And how many of them will have such a marriage that is so attractive, everyone around them wants to know how they've done it? And that's when I went back to clip art. No, you don't have clip art today, but you have your website, you Instagram, you Twitter. You're the master of social media, which is amazing. But I would say your greatest sermon would be how you love Samantha. Are you attentive to her needs? And and so that are you a servant of this woman? Is she happy? And I, I would say you could tell a lot about a man is how happy his wife is. I've seen youth pastors' wives so frustrated, they're haggard, they're tired, and he's building the ministry, and she's worn out. You know, yeah, I went and preached at youth conferences, camps, retreat, preached in my own youth ministry. But can I tell you, Monday through Friday, I was taking my kids to school. I had to help change diapers. I was helping lead in the home. And so that's why I say, what is it if you preach like, you know, Reinhard Bunky or A.W. Tozer or whoever your, your prince of preachers is from Spurgeon onward, but yet you do not love. And you cannot love without giving. And so I'd ask the young minister, how much do you give to your spouse? How much are you giving? You know, and that is the greatest sermon. That to me is a leader. And and I look at my disciples, honestly, Judah and Chelsea Smith. Judah loves Chelsea. They they are phenomenal. How about Mark and Crystal? Unbelievable marriage. How about uh, Phil and Katie Venti? How about Elijah and Anne-Marie? How about Damon and Christine? The list goes on. We're not just good leaders. We have amazing marriages. 
that people go, you know what? And you and I may be wrong with this, George, but in my opinion, ministries that last are ministries that built on healthy marriages. Yeah. I don't. I think that's the best way to grow a, a church or a ministry. Hmm. Grow yourself. Grow your marriage. Hmm. And I would ask ministers, what have you done to grow your marriage? You are believing God to have that number breakthrough from 25 to 50 to 100 to 200 to 500 to 1,000. And I can go and show you how to do that. But have you grown yourself? Have you grown your ministry? I mean, your marriage. Hey, is, are you in Samantha? Are you closer? Have you served her? Are you better friends? Are you in that covenant union that is so spectacular that is dazzling? And, and, and I think that's how ministries last and grow. And, and so I would really, that's what I would say. When you and Samantha are together and you're worshiping God together and you're laughing and you're having fun, that is the greatest vision that you could put before any young person. So the success of our youth ministries uh, are defined on the families and the future of the young people in this place. Or, or to say this, the, sex, the success of our youth ministry is defined by the family that comes after the yeah. youth ministry. Because think of it, Jordan, I, I was a youth pastor in the 80s. Do you realize those young people are now in their 40s? Wow. Judah Smith yeah. is 34, will be 35. Yeah. His sister is a few older years older than that, Wendy Smith Perez. How do they look as far as their marriages? Right. And that's why you could say, were you successful? The conference for me in my youth ministry, that part is hosting the conference. That season has come to an end. There will be a day you will not be over the awakening conference. And I would say at the end of the day, when the, the lights are over in the video, it stops. What does Jordan and Samantha's life together look like? Right. And that's how you'll know that you were successful, that they're loving Jesus together. And, and I believe in that. I so believe. And I would say, uh, Becky, my wife, is very, very strong. And we, good Lord, people ask me, Pastor Jude, did you guys argue? And I'd say only once a week. We started on Monday, ended on Friday, but the makeup sessions, glory to God, you know, hello church. And, but I remember one time I said, Lord, she's a problem. She's always arguing with me. And the spirit of God impressed on my mind and said, no, you're the problem. I didn't give the woman to you just to help you. I gave the woman to you that you would serve her and you would bring about my vision and future glory in her. And as you would serve her and love her, Literally, your life would become beyond. I personally think for the men and women that I had the opportunity of pastoring and shaping in Generation Church for years and in being a youth pastor for 27 years, their marriages are so happy and so real and it's so awesome. And you know what? That's the platform God has given them. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing I love about Judah Smith in Chelsea is they love one another so much. They have a date night. He adores her. Uh, I believe the very foundation of his ministry is his union with his wife and how happy they are. And so that, I believe, that's something to be pondered, you know? And that's why we believed in courtship and night dating. And that's why we believed in, in, in really walking in a holiness because of the future of the greatest thing you'll do on the earth and that is get married. For me, Jordan, life is simple. Respond to Jesus and who you marry. You mess up on either of those, you messed up. You could become a leader in many, many facets. You could help, you could raise up a leader that will help you lead awakening that will make your jaw drop. But if you did not teach him or her 
how to have a successful, happy marriage. At the end of the day, it didn't work. Let's talk about let's talk about roles, like ministry roles. Because right. marriage and ministry, let's just start there, it's difficult to balance. So how do you guys balance it uh, in your home? Balance. In your in your relationship life and your ministry life. Rich, this is I feel like this is for you. Balance. <laughs> Please. I don't look good. There she goes again. <laughs> Verbal abuse. Verbal abuse. It's, it's so hard. Um, no, I think I think I think this is I think this is a brilliant question, and this is kind of like you know the age old question. I think this question gets asked quite a bit, and you know I, I think first and foremost, marriage is, is a partnership. And so partnership always begins with agreement. So I think that everything in your marriage has to start with agreement on both ends, that we're both constantly evaluating where we are, where we want to be, who we want to be, and then agreeing on that. And as I was saying earlier, Don't and I, we met when we were 17. And who we were at 17 is much different who we are now at 30. And what you have to be able to do is you have to be flexible and adapt to the seasons that you're in. And so words like balance, that's different in every season. Uh, oftentimes, I think right now, Don Shree and I, this is probably the busiest we've ever been in our entire lives ever. At the same time, I feel like this is maybe the happiest we've ever been. This is probably maybe the most fulfilled we've ever been. This is the most excited about our marriage. We'll let her comment in a moment. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That we've ever been. And a lot of our life right now, outside looking in, doesn't look at all balanced. And so um, I think you have, to, you have to discover what that is. I think the bigger question is, is health. And so when you say, well, in order to be healthy, you have to be balanced. Well, that, that's another topic there. I, I look at the life of Jesus. Uh, Julie and I were talking about this earlier today. And Jesus didn't necessarily live what you call a balanced life, but he lived a healthy life. And if you're healthy, things are going to grow. And so maybe you're saying, but Rich, give me like some practical answers. Well, practically speaking, in your marriage, you need to be having clear conversations. If your wife feels like you're neglecting her, then guess what? You're neglecting her. <laughs> uh, in, in your marriage, if your husband feels like um, you don't respect him, then guess what? You're probably at times not respecting him. You have got to come to a place where you're green. And so for Don Shu and I both, we both travel a lot. We both carry a lot back home in ministry, responsibility-wise. We both have other ventures that we're into. Um, and so I think there's just constantly us coming together and saying, where are we at and where do we want to be and how do we walk this out really together? Julia. That's great. I think that... Um I loved what you talked about. There's different seasons. There's seasons in marriage. There's seasons in life. Right now, I'm a mom of two small children. And uh, we were at the Hillsong Conference, and Brian Houston was talking about uh, seasons in their life. And his wife, Pastor Bobby Houston, uh, when she was a young mom, she decided in her heart that Pastor Brian's fruit was going to be her fruit. Now, her ministry um, has flourished, literally. She has a global movement for women uh, that didn't start till later in life. So, you know, ministry um, is going to ebb and flow, and there's going to be seasons. And I think we've just decided in our marriage, uh, whether it is the season of motherhood or the season of church planning or whatever season it's in that we're just going to remain soft before the Lord where, and we're going to make adjustments where we need to make adjustments, whether that's, 
uh, we need to be more on the same page or we need to uh, practically make room for more quality time together, whatever that looks like, um, we're going to make those adjustments based on um, our humility before the Lord. That's awesome. That's so good. Yeah, I agree with everything that they just said. I think it's so key what Julia was talking about seasons. And I think you have to ask yourself, what does balance really mean? Because to everyone in this room, you're going to have a different definition based on the way you were raised, based on, I mean, for me, you know, you might say, well, I've got to have, you know, four nights a week dinner around the dinner table with my family for it to be balanced. Well, to be honest with you, I grew up with six kids in my family. My dad's in the ministry. My mom's in the ministry. I never had one night a week around the dinner table with my family. And they're my dearest friends. My brothers are my best friend. My sister is my best friend in the world. My parents are my best friends. Um, every step of the way, I never felt isolated, didn't feel like anything was missing in my life. Every day we had had meaningful moments together, but I think if you try to define it and go for the next 20 years, this is what balance is going to look like, you're going to end up feeling out of balance because your expectations are not being met <laughs> by what the different seasons are. And um, I think communication to me is key. You know, whatever season we're in, as long as we're communicating, our hearts are on the same page. As long as in every season with my children one day that we're communicating, our hearts are on the same page, we're moving together. I think that in itself brings a balance, a peace, and a unity. But um, for me, the greatest um, thing in our marriage has been the different voices around us. You know, people who have different stories as far as how they've raised their family, but can give us the wisdom, how they did it with marriage and ministry and working together and enjoying working together and enjoying going home together. People have done it before us, you guys. This isn't the first generation to do it. We can learn a lot from the people that have gone before us. And I think letting those voices into our life, it's really key. Because if you don't, I feel like you get isolated. You think that you're the only one. You're on an island. But um, we, we all know we're better when we, when we do it together. That's awesome. So coming off that, I have another question for you guys. Um, a lot of you grew up in pastors' homes. You know, your parents were pastors. And like you just said, you know, people have gone before us. So what would you say that, you know, you learned from your parents watching them in ministry and in marriage and raising a family? Um, I think the first thing that stands out, Julie and I were just talking about this, my, my dad, who I am like, the, I'm like the polar opposite of my father in terms of like personality and in a lot of a lot of areas actually but one thing i've always really appreciated and really like respected about him and julia made mention of this the other day is like my dad it like he lives to serve my mom i'm genuinely like wakes up in the morning as like thinking about her wants to help her wants to serve her, and i'm like dang how do you do that so i'm like mad far away from i'm yeah anyways um but um but I just, I respected that my dad wasn't just trying to build the church, raise us kids, disciple people, raise up other leaders. You know, my dad, you know, is planting churches all over and travels all the time. But when he's home, I mean, my dad is like, he's not just fixated on watching sports and the projects that he's doing, but like he genuinely wants to serve my mom. And I watch him and I'm like, I need to be like that. How do I become like that? I need to be that type of husband. I need to be that kind of friend. I need to... In, get involved and be in tune with what Julia needs, 
when what's going to work for her schedule like I'm just always so challenged by my dad and watching I always watch that my dad and even today as a husband I think man I got to be better at that and and that's that's been such a role model for me I think in um in our home I was just so thankful and I think all four of us could say this about our parents that our parents were just the same off the stage as they were on the stage and I think that makes all the difference for you not to feel jaded towards church or feel like, you know, this is a show. But the way that they talked to the people at the altar was the same way they would talk to us. The way that they would pray with other people is the same way that they would pray with us. And I think that they brought meaning to, you know, even the shortest conversations, they would just go there. Sometimes we feel like in life that we have to kind of, you know, joke around for a good hour before we can go to the real issue at hand and talk about what's on our heart. But what I really learned from my parents was, even though maybe we didn't have those family dinners all the time, we could be in the car for five minutes and my mom would hand me the Bible. She always kept a Bible in the back seat of the car and she'd say, read this verse. And I mean, we would go straight into it. We could be in the car for five or 10 minutes. It's wow. like, hey, what is that? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean to you? Don't you? What is that? What is that? And there would be a real conversation. And she would want to know my thoughts. It wasn't just her just like regurgitating things and making me listen. It was, it was a conversation that taught me that you can take just a couple minutes in life, in your day, and you can make them really count and that you can really connect. And um, I think that really made a huge impact in my life because it, it made it not about the services, but it just made it about the journey that we were doing together. For me, uh, my parents were, you know, passion is really, really attractive. And I just always remember my parents being consumed in the best of ways with what we were doing. Not consumed in the ways of being stressed, frustrated, angry, complaining, but being consumed with they were laughing, there was people around whose lives were being impacted. There were stories. There was testimonies. And I just think that like passion is always, always attractive. My dad, I grew up in a house till I was 14 years of age that literally from zero to 14, my dad was gone five nights out of the week. He was a traveling itinerant preacher. This was like kind of in the 80s and the 90s when kind of the rhythm back then in church life was my dad would fly out early on Saturday mornings like at 5 a.m., land in a city. He'd come here to Providence and he'd preach Sunday morning services in Providence. Then he would hold a four-night crusade. So he'd do a Sunday night service. Then Monday morning, he'd be in the public schools all day, going to every public school, doing youth rallies, then having Monday night services, Tuesday, be in the public schools all day, speaking to, you know, just to public school students, having a Tuesday night service, Wednesday all day, then Wednesday night back in church. Then he'd fly home Thursday. So he'd get home around four o'clock on Thursday from wherever we, he was at. We were in the Pacific Northwest. We'd see him Thursday night for dinner. We'd all do something Friday. He was gone again on Saturday. That was, that was our rhythm for 14 years. But the crazy thing about it as a kid is I always felt like my dad was super engaged with my life. I always felt like my dad was super supportive of what I was doing. He always put the right people around me. And I just never really remember having a feeling of being bitter towards God or angry at the church. I had my season of rebelling on my own thing, but it had nothing to do with my parents. And so when you say like, what is it that was instilled for me? I just think like, I was talking to someone the other day, there's two types of ways of doing ministry, let's be honest. I mean, I'm a big Miami Heat fan. I don't know who you like as a sports team, but there's, there's, there's one way of going, if I wanna make you a Miami Heat fan, I could say, all right, you're going to come over to my house 
And uh, for the next 10 weeks, I'm going to teach you about Miami Heat. I'm going to tell you the history of the Miami Heat. I'm going to tell you about AAA Arena, how it was built, when it was constructed. I'm going to tell you about the coaching staff, Pat Riley. He's a genius. Alonzo Mourning, Harold Miner, Baby Jordan, they used to call him. I'm going to talk about the good years with, you know, I Got Skills, Tim Hardaway. I'm going to our championship days, Dwayne Wade, Shaquille O'Neal. We actually had LeBron King James, arguably one of the greatest NBA players of all time. He played with us for four years. They went to the championship four different times. He he, he could have won it. It's, it's I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy. And maybe after 10 weeks, you might go, oh man, you know what? I'm going to be a Miami Heat fan. That's one way. The second way is Let's go to a Miami Heat game, game seven, when they're playing against the Indiana Pacers. LeBron James has got the ball in his hand, and you watch as everybody loses their ever-loving mind in that place. You might not understand all of it, but you go, oh my goodness, I want to be a part of this. By the way, that's two different philosophies of how to do church right there. My philosophy is, hey, why don't you just come into church and see that we are so consumed with what we're talking about. We're so passionate about this. We worship loud. We preach loud. We're excited. People come in going, I don't really know what's going on, but I want to be a part of it. And that's the way my parents always did ministry. That's how they did life. And I found myself going, wow, I want to be a part of that whole thing. So I think for the parents in this place, I'm not a parent yet, but I would challenge you, be very, very careful with how much you're complaining, with how how bad your body language looks after coming home from being at church. Be very careful how you talk about leadership at your church, people under you, people over you. All of that stuff is picked up in the next generation that they carry with them. Come home with a smile on your face. Come home telling about the good that happened that night. Maybe you didn't have the attendance you wanted, but somebody's life was impacted because they showed up. Report the good news. Exploit the good. Enjoy the journey and watch as your kids and watch as your family, I really believe, follows Jesus. Amen. I mean, I just feel like I'm ready to preach tonight. Let's go. Let's go. I was telling them, babe, before we go to services, how I can't be around you for about an hour just because you, at times, you know, just... Sever the anointing. <clears throat> it just, you know, we, because we, I was telling how we stay in separate hotel rooms just because the night before. No, because I need that. It's just, I just got to be me and Jesus. And I just feel like you just, you block. <laughs> Kidding. I've never done that. She helps me find the anointing. We worship together. <laughs> I told them that you verbally abused me. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't. Yeah, we're just playing with you. We love you. When you guys weren't here, hey, when the girls weren't here, it got weird. It was weird for it 22 weird. minutes. Yeah, it got weird. Yeah. Cut the, you cut the tapes though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. Those things are going to be burned. You cut the tapes. Yeah, those tapes are going to be burned. Samantha, he told us that your guys' biggest fight happened three weeks ago while you were giving birth. When I... Like when I left for too long, or... right, right oh, in yeah, the middle of it. You. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> I tell you, it's totally true. Full it's not circle, even a preacher people. Story. Full it's, circle. It's, it's so this will be my last year at Awakening. It's been an honor and a privilege serving this great community. Oh man, that was foolish. Oh. Oh. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Oh. So. Um, Let's move on to another question. Yeah. Um, you guys have talked about Chad and Rich. I've heard it from you guys about the whole concept of better at 70. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about what that is, what it means, and kind of how it's come about? Yeah. yeah um, really, we got the idea. I think it was, I'm, I'm not the originator of it. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, one of our friends is, I don't even know if he wants, if, if I can say who it is, but someone, someone 
came up with this phrase and we began to use it, but really we've looked at, um, you know, a lot of the dads that, you know, Rich's dad, Julia's father, um, Don Cherie's dad, uh, and looked at and saying, these guys are getting better as they age. And hopefully for us, <clears throat> you know, we're never going to look back and go, man, when we were 30, whoa, we were catching barracudas, you know, like. <laughs> Inside jokes that Inside you guys missed. Inside jokes, you guys missed it. Nordstrom is yearly sale, whatever, shopping. whatever. Making the people wait. Starbucks, anyways. But, um, you know, hopefully at 70, we'll be in our best years. You know, you see people as they get older, they get weirder. Or when they get older, they get, they get ornery or cranky, and they don't get sweeter. And for us, Julie and I, we talked about this. I know Rich and Dawn Street the same. A lot of our friends are talking about when we're older, we want to be in our best years. And I think our kids, it's amazing when you're a parent, you know, you get to coach your kids. Like, no, they don't have no say. Like, you're going to coach them. You're going to tell them what to do, what not to do, when to sit on the bench, when to play. You're going to coach your kids. But as you get older, it's your kids now opportunity to either beckon you to be a, a consultant because you can't be a coach no more. And I, for me, when I'm seven years old, I hope my kids want to be around me. I hope young people want to be around me. I hope my friends want to be around me because I'm living my best years at 70. So for us, we're not looking at these years as like, oh, man, this is awesome. We're hopefully building towards a future and um, not just a legacy, but, you know, the future of, of how, how we're going to live our lives and who we're going to be as people. So, yeah. I personally can't wait till Chad ages. He's going to look like George Clooney. <laughs> so cannot deny myself. That's, that salt and pepper will get me. Just kidding. Um, this is why we have kids. We just... <laughs> Um, you know, you get, you're young and you get married and there's a lot of love and passion and you say your vows and, uh, you know, in life there is a lot of for better and for worse. And, um, I'm pregnant, so I have emotions. I'm so sorry. You know, we've walked through some stuff and I don't know where this is coming from. I'm in my second trimester. <laughs> um, but I can say without a shadow of a doubt that God has been so faithful. And Chad says this, and I know this from the bottom of my heart, if you don't quit, you win. And when we're 70, we're going to have each other and our children, and I want to have a lot of friends around us because from now until 70, there's still going to be betters and there's still going to be worses. And if I just hold on to one simple thing that I've already know, that God has shown himself faithful time and time again, that he who started the work is going to be faithful to complete it. And if we just don't quit, we get one marriage, we get one family, and that if we just make it to the end, life is just going to be so sweet at the end. Beautiful. I love it. It's amazing. Unbelievable. Rich, do you want to do you want to talk about that a little bit, or or do, do you want me to move on? Well, <laughs> do you not do you not take my wife serious? 
No, I do. Wait, my wife just poured her heart out, bro. Do you not take my wife serious? <laughs> are you are you for I don't real? Know how to, yeah. Well, like that, like it's it's like my first Miami Heat basketball game. Um, <laughs> um, I'm so hot, babe. Babe, I'm hot. Every okay. conference, every. Why do you do this? I'm just warm. We're not I'm, in the I'm hotel so room. I'm I'm so warm. Uh, and um, it's not okay. You know, listen. <laughs> Better at seventy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's the goal, man. That's just, that's good. Just trying to be my best I can at thirty-one, and um, I think uh, I, I you know I think that I think the way that grace works honestly, is that, you know, it's grace upon grace. And literally, I think that we should be getting better. And I think one of the most beautiful things, and most of us, I think, in this room would already have caught this revelation, but the closer you get to Jesus, the more you realize just how far away you were to begin with. And I think that's what life is, you know. The more and more I'm married, the more and more I go, man, I really did not know anything about marriage. And it makes you thankful. And I think as we get thankful, you get joyful. And as you get joyful, according to Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, you get strong. And so uh, I think everything that Chad's saying and everything that Julia's saying is that as we get older, hopefully gratitude is you know, swelling up in our hearts more and more, and hopefully the joys come out of us, that uh, we're stronger, we're better in our older years. And um, the Bible says that we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. And so you see a God of generations, that we, every season of life you have a role, you have a purpose. If you've got a pulse, you've got a purpose. And... Um, I just want to make sure that in every season that I lean into that season. You know, life is about transitions. And uh, I remember my older brother, he got a motorcycle, Harley Davidson. And my older brother is one of those kind of guys. Anyone like me, like you get into hobbies like really strong and then like you do it for like two months, then you quit. That's that's me at least. <laughs> Addictive personality. Snapchat. Um, Snapchat. <laughs> Follow me at Rich Wilkerson Jr. Um, but uh, my older brother, he got this Harley Davidson. and He's a major hobby guy. And uh, he wanted me to get one, but like I was like, no, bro, I could come up with better ways to die, you know? And so um, I didn't get one, but he had this, he has a beautiful wife named Ashley, and she, she's a blonde, and she looks kind of like Don Cherie, and I remember it, it, she would ride on the back, and I said, bro, I said, I'm just too afraid, you know, to ride a motorcycle. And he said, bro, it's easy. I said, well, what's the scaredest, you know, what's, when have you been the most scared of the motorcycle? He said, well, sometimes when Ashley rides in the back, he goes, one of the scary things about her riding on the back is that when you're riding and when you're driving, when you take a turn, if Ashley doesn't lean into the turn with me, we're in a moment there where the bike could go down. And so as we make the turn, she's got to lean into the turn with me in order for us to make it. And I believe it's a picture of relationships, but it's a picture of life. That in the transitions, what a lot of people do is they don't lean into the transition. And instead of not leaning in and said, I don't want to go into this next season. I don't want to go into my 30s. I don't want to go into my 40s. I don't want to go into my 50s. I don't want to be, I don't want to go from being whatever, a, a, an intern to a, to a youth pastor, to wherever your life takes you. We hold back and in that transition, we find ourselves, we sign up, find, find ourselves falling oftentimes. And uh, I just want to be a person that leans into the transitions. If it's for me, just tell them, I'll call them back. And, um, I just want to be a person that, that leans into my transitions in, in our seasons. I think Don and I've talked about that a whole lot in our marriage together, flowing, um, leaning into it. And um, it's definitely our goal that as we, as we age and as we grow, that life gets better and we, we really get better. You have thoughts, Turtleneck? Hello. I like the cold weather here. It's awesome. Um, 
This is really cold to me, by the way. <laughs> really, really cold. Um, yeah, but you got to keep your hat on, Dave, because your hair is jacked up. <laughs> um, Verbal. We've been together 13 years. <laughs> no, I, the only thing I wanted to add on to that is just the way that I view all the... It's okay. You can take it off. I don't want you to sweat. Take it off. It's okay, babe. You look great. I love it. You're so handsome. I love it. Crazy about this guy. Um, would you stop? What I wanted to add to everything everybody shared is just, I feel like for us to be better at 70, we really have to focus on the seeds we're sowing in this season, not just the harvest at hand. And I think so often we can just get, you know, focused on what's going on now. And if you're not careful, you can stop the growth by stopping sowing the seeds. And I think that applies to every area of our life, right? I mean, Jesus uses that example so many times. So in application to our marriage, it's like, I know that God has blessed our marriage over the last nine years. There have been highs and there have been lows. There have been hard times and there have been wonderful times. And right now it's a wonderful season that Rich was saying in the middle of taking this leap of faith, the planting a church and everything in the middle of it, God has brought this joy in our marriage, but you can't just enjoy it. We have to continue to plant those seeds, right? And how do you do that? Like it matters every day for us to express gratitude to each other those are seeds you sow that grow you know continuing to not hold back your honor and your respect for one another um continuing to grow in your education continuing to grow in your vision continuing to grow in your faith these are all seeds that we may not see them right now but in order for us to be better at 70 and have it harvest and be more fruitful than ever before it's going to take a lot of seeds being sown right so i think the challenge right now with all of us if that's what we have ahead of us is not just what's going on right now but god what am i sowing into for the future with my faith, with my generosity, with my prayer life, with my devotion to you. The, this is what it all comes down to, I really believe. I just think it's so amazing that you guys are even thinking about this concept. You know, the first time you mentioned better at 70, it rocked my world because I've never thought about 70. And the fact that you guys are thinking about it, you're planning for it, you're actively working towards it because... Uh, in a generation that has mega ministries but a lot of failed marriages, I think it's pretty awesome that you guys are determining to have both succeed. And I think it's an awesome example for us. And I think it's an example the generation needs. Coming out of the 80s and 90s, we need, we need some pastors that can have some amazing ministries and have amazing marriages all the way to the end. And so I'm grateful that you guys are doing that. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. For more content and resources, head over to awakeningconference.com and share this podcast with someone you know. We'll see you next week.